Yo, what's up? My name is Clarence. And I'm DJ Nuna. And you're listening to Up in the Air. A podcast on our thoughts, moods, and experiences on the personal, political, and cultural world around us. Come float with us. For this week's episode, we have a lovely friend of the show, Judy Wang. Judy is an aspiring nurse who recently graduated with a degree in public health. Today, we talk about the importance of mindfulness, mental health, navigating trauma, as well as women empowerment. We would also like to provide the trigger warning as we do discuss domestic violence and sexual assault in this episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Up in the Air, and my name is Jubilee, or DJ Nuna, and I'm here with my co-host. Yo, what's up? My name is Clarence. It's good to be back with another episode. I know that we took a break last week, and, you know, things was a little bit not hectic, but just, you know, Jubilee and I needed to get used to our new schedule, so... um, you know, we're back this week and we have a very special guest. She's a friend of the show. Um, I met her recently this year and in passing in the past, I think, but um, I'm happy to, to call her a friend now. And so we have Judy Wang. Judy, Hi. how's it going? It's going good. Um, yeah, I'm Judy. <laughs> yeah, just tell us about yourself, like what you're up to nowadays and yeah. maybe like something like about what you study that you dub and what you, where you're working at now. Yeah, so um, I recently just graduated um, during the pandemic. I was a public health major. Um, and I really feel like that's like a really big part of my identity. Like I really feel like I'm passionate about public health and like um, healthcare access, social determinants of health. Um, and I think that's what drove my passions towards nursing. And currently, um, I'm a CNA or like a PCT um, at Virginia Mason, and I specifically work with um, people who have advanced HIV, AIDS, and also other like long-term or end-of-life um, illnesses and diseases. Um, I'm really passionate about like caring for marginalized communities too, so I think that's like a perfect place for me. Um, I love my coworkers. Like I feel like that really helped solidify like my love for that um, career, like in nursing, because like, I feel like I genuinely love like nurses and other, like the people that I work with, like they do like so many like um, cool things like outside of work too. They work with organizations, volunteers. So I think it's great that I'm like networked with all these great people, you know, that are very like-minded, but also like help me grow. Um, So it's really cool. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I also like, I like baking. I've been picking up baking a lot. Like I baked macaroons. So good. (laughs) I was shook because that was my first time and I was like, wow, that actually worked. (laughs) It was (laughs) it was crazy. But yeah, like um I like that. What else do I like? I like music. (laughs) Um that was a really good intro. (laughs) Thank you. So thorough and I feel like that's exactly why we wanted to bring Judy on because she's an aspiring nurse. She's currently applying to nursing school and she's super passionate about social justice and intersecting that with healthcare. And, you know, we need all of that, especially right now and onward with the pandemic. Um, But yeah, Judy, how has it been working, you know, in a hospital during the pandemic? Um, Like how's that for your mental health, your physical health? Cause I know it can be, you know, stressful to be in like, somewhat high exposure place because you're just with a bunch of people and like 
people I don't know if you have COVID patients ever but yeah how was that for you yeah thankfully like so I work in an inpatient facility which has um been really good um for controlling like COVID and stuff um we've had a couple patients who were like COVID positive but um after 14 days they've been fine and been able to recover which is like amazing you know um and also like our our facility has a lot of strict protocols which is really good like it can be like a hassle though because that requires like a bunch of ppe and like when emergencies occur like we have to like still do everything step by step donning and doffing like everything has Mm -hmm. to be like very particular and sometimes like it feels like we're like there'll be like alarms going off like bed alarms and like people are like mm-hmm. their call lights are going off and like you, it feels urgent but like you have to like prioritize your health and the other person's health you know yeah. Um, but yeah so like if anyone shows any like fevers any symptoms of covid like they have to be on precautions and um yeah a bunch of people right now at our facility are on precautions um but nobody is like covid positive and it's been it's been crazy. I work night shifts and like, I feel like there's a bunch of differences with day shifts and night shifts in general. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and I feel like for like night shifts, it's pretty crazy like in the evenings and in the mornings because like there's a bunch of tasks you have to do for both of those times. But in the middle of the night, it slows down a lot and like there's more time to sit. But um, I feel like it like just takes a lot from your body because, you know, it's your time to sleep and like time to yeah. rest. So your body's like fighting it a lot. Yeah. So I get really exhausted. And like, because my schedule is so flipped, like I really feel like a lot of FOMO too. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm missing out on the day yeah. and like I'm always active on social media at like 4 a.m. Like I'm always posting at 4 a.m. and nobody, <laughs> there's nothing to with me. So I feel like, um, it's hard, no, but like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, with the pandemic, it's been better because, um, like nobody's doing anything. So <laughs> I don't feel That's as true. like, you know, I'm missing out. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sometimes Judy will like text me at like five in the morning and I'm like, why are you awake at five in the morning? But, and then aren't your shifts like 12 hours long? Yeah. So I start work at 7 p.m. and then I get off at 7:30 a.m. Wow. Dude, shout out to all <laughs> shout out to all the healthcare workers right now. Like that's wild. Yeah. I had a question. So you know, like with the schedule like that, was that something that you were prepared for, or like that you knew was gonna be something you had to de- deal with? You know, going in. Oh my god, that's such a good question. <laughs> so I started my job. Um, right in the beginning or like okay yeah I started right in the beginning of the pandemic and Mm -hmm. my application process was literally weeks before um, shutdown and even COVID was like a big thing and so um, it was definitely something I was not prepared for Um, I was going into like you know my last quarter of UW and I was just really hoping to like gain clinical experience because Mm -hmm. also nursing is kind of new for me I discovered my passion for nursing my senior year and it's it's really late you know like compared to Mm -hmm. other people um because I was super undecided for so long like I didn't know what I was passionate about like I didn't know 
nur- I didn't even know nursing was an option really like mm-hmm. I just never thought of it you know and so when I discovered it I was like oh my god like I need to do everything like I rushed my whole CNA process I did that all my senior year and I got my first job my senior year too so um including that on top of the pandemic was really like just a lot on me and also I applied for an evening shift so I applied for like the eight hour evening shift um but last minute during like my interview they were like oh so we don't really need evening anymore like can you do nights and at the time like I knew I was like shit (laughs) I was like I don't know if I can like I don't know if I'll find another job and I knew I didn't want to work at like a like a nursing home like a traditional nursing home you know because I just know like burnout is so high there (laughs) and I was like I need to still do school I need to still do like everything else so um I just took it I was like okay I'll try nights like let's see I'm a night owl um Mm. but like definitely while I was doing school like zoom like the first like spring quarter zoom like that was really hard because I couldn't go to any like I slept through all my like um zoom meetings like I had to like email a lot of my professors about like scheduling like different times to take tests and like Mm -hmm. I think that was really hard but like because there was so much grace with like public health classes and stuff like it worked out and I got dean's list last quarter so I was lit (laughs) (laughs) congratulations dude Judy gets dean's list like every is it almost like every quarter no it's very new like Girl, I like was barely getting a 3.0 GPA, like the cumulative GPA for like two years at UW. Like mm. I was struggling. And so like, I feel like I'm proud of myself for how much I've like grown academically because that shit is not easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And dude, you're a first generation college student too. So you're like navigating the system. And like, I remember I met Judy I met Judy like freshman year, but then we had class sophomore year and we had poli sci together and we were both like, we don't know what we want to do. And like, I remember Judy told me about like a really mean like college advisor you had just seen. And yeah, they were like being a jackass to you. But like, look at you now, like you're graduated public health and like sparring nurse and dude, CNA props because I, I lived with my friend Toby, who was the CNA at one point, and she, she told me so many stories. Cause yeah, <laughs> yeah, like elderly folks, and uh, it's tough. Like there's just so many, like whether it's like mental health issues or like physical barriers. But uh, thanks for sharing, and like shout out to you for doing twelve hour shifts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know it's like crazy because like when I look back, like that that specific like advisor was telling me like you should consider like majoring in something easier because you won't get into public health and I remember like I was like oh my god like I shouldn't even try like you know and so it was like super disheartening but it's crazy because I feel like every part of my life like that's happened but like I've been able to like you know succeed in some way because like even in high school like one of my AP teachers was like you're not gonna get into UW and I was like shit maybe I won't <laughs> and like it's cool because I'm like now graduated and I like didn't think like I would be where I would be now you know like my mm-hmm. younger self would have been really surprised so mm-hmm. it's it's really rewarding I don't know if you guys feel that way yeah I mean like I'm 
I'm just like, what's with these shitty advisors? Because <laughs> I had a similar experience too, where I was just like, you know, asking about these classes. And they're like, I don't think you even should take that because like, you probably won't do well in it. And I'm like, wow, really? And then, you know, like, you know how they have those other advisors that who are students and you can just drop in for those. Um, I remember meeting with one person, like she was super, way nicer about it. And not only nicer, but like, telling me the ins and outs of like the kind mm -hmm. of like system right and so it's interesting how some of these people are kind of just so discouraging and i mean mm -hmm. obviously they're trying to be real with you but at the same time it's like you don't seem like you're trying to help me either you know right i think there's a difference between like being realistic but also like actually wanting to help the student because i feel like shedding like clarence your example of just saying oh i don't think you should take that class like the whole you know, point of college is to somewhat like explore your passions and to, you know, like it's okay to fail too. Like, it's not like you should just not pursue that opportunity because you might fail. And I agree with you because I remember um, when I was trying to apply for the double major, um, a lot of people were saying like, I don't think that will get approved because for the design major, they're really like anti double major because they want you to put your all into design. And it's kind of bad for students that have other interests or other passions because like obviously in design, you can't learn about like law or like even justice because that's not a focal point or a priority in the program. So I had to kind of like say like, please sign this off because I already have like most of it completed. I, I feel confident that I can finish it and like also like pay attention to design, but they like they're just not nice they're not very nice people they sometimes it feels like they don't have your best interest in mind it's more like they're for their own convenience or something so yeah absolutely but um judy i was wondering you know like you kind of talked about it earlier but what led you to studying or majoring in public health and then you know at what point i know you said your senior year but what kind of like changed for you to need you to focus more on like nursing yeah so um i so okay it's actually crazy because i applied to public health my sophomore years like the spring quarter and i actually didn't get in and like i i remember like the reason i applied was because i really didn't want to um i didn't want to be a bio major and like because <laughs> i took the bio 180 series and i was like and that was like why i went to UW. i was like i'm gonna be a dentist and i'm gonna <laughs> major in bio <laughs> which like lip oh sorry i don't know if i can say that <laughs> but, um, um, literally i was like yo i can't like i don't see myself like doing that like i assist i did dental assisting for a little bit at a, like a place where we volunteer to do that and it was like um, I don't know if you guys know it, but it's the Seattle Gospel Union Mission. And like, basically they just like serve the community and like the homeless and people who are like, who are like suffering with poverty and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I volunteered there and it was like really hard for me to enjoy dentistry. And like, I remember like my first, like the first thing I did was an extraction. Like I was assisting a dentist with an extraction. Oh and me. I was like, and so that day was the last day I ever went. So I was like, you know, I'm, I can't do this. <laughs> and so then that like sparked, like, I need to find something different. Like I need to find mm -hmm. something I really doing, and like, not something that like my parents would want or like the expectation that I had for myself to like be a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and so I remember like I started talking to people who were in the major and I've heard of it and I was like oh shit and like people were talking about how like versatile it is like you can go to like major in it and go into med school nursing you can go into law you can go into like literally anything or just public health in general like health administration like so it was it's super like it's just like you could just do so much with it that I felt like I didn't have that pressure where I'm like I can only do one thing which was like Mm -hmm. bio I felt like bio is not secure unless you do med school or like you know like I feel like it just gave me so much more options so I was like you know what I'm gonna apply and I remember that time of my life like I was like not I was not academically like driven like I didn't know what I was really passionate about so it was like everything I wrote about was empty and you can feel that you know and it wasn't till like my the fall quarter of my junior year where I reapplied and like that I felt like was when I was like really like oh I was discovering more about myself like what am I really passionate about and like what am I like what what like makes me me and I feel like that really pushed like you know like me to get accepted because you know I was basically begging them at that point I was like yo don't look at my grades like I promise my grades don't reflect like who I am and like I feel like they really they're like yeah you know what like (laughs) you're right crazy because I remember I actually knew one of the advisors before because I I was an RA that year that I applied Mm. and um, I was a pre-health RA so I worked really closely with Liz I think Liz Schreiber I think that's her name and um, she was one of the public health advisors and I remember we talked a lot before the application process and I think I think she remembered my name and I think she remembered like the work I did and like things Mm -hmm. like that so it was really nice and I think that helped a lot like the RA position too like helped me learn a lot about you know about mental health about de-escalation about you know everything else that like you know Juvie knows <laughs> that you learn in RA training no yeah Judy I wish that Judy and I were RAs the same year but I asked Judy like oh what was your experience like because I know that she wanted like free housing and like I wanted free housing so yeah I think that experience definitely shifts your perspective on yeah like what you said mental health um I think both in our experiences a lot of students came forward with like their mental health concerns like more than I expected for sure um yeah there's like way more students of concern that I ever thought I would encounter yeah but um Judy you talked a bit about mental health and like I know that during this pandemic you know with a lot of uncertainty it's been more difficult for everyone to kind of navigate mental health um but how have you been like taking care of your own mental health and like self-care during all of this i know that you were really passionate about like mindfulness and like healing like judy got me my first like stone my crystal like crystal thingy yeah (laughs) i was like oh my gosh yeah yeah okay so my like journey of healing started before the pandemic and it was Mm -hmm. like it was like um it was like when I broke up with like my ex and like I remember that was like a huge wake-up call for me to like care for myself and like prioritize like me and like love myself because I was really lacking self-love and like mm-hmm. self-confidence um I was in a really low point in my life and so I remember like I really I don't know how because I think back and I'm like dang like you are so strong for doing this but like I don't know 
I like really pushed myself to like see a therapist because I like finally was like aware of like, oh, you know, I, I need help and like, I want to like heal and I want to grow and I want to like change my life, you know, for the better. And like, I felt like I was in this vicious cycle of like, you know, like I was, it was always up and down, but like in the most extreme ways. And so like, I felt like I just needed stability. And so I like found a therapist to help me like through that. And I've been with her like to this day. So like for the past, like since February. So that's like the past like eight months. So it's been really good. And I feel like she's been helping so much with like, um, like strategies and like techniques to like ground myself, like, you know, healing my inner child, which is like a lot of work with like um, your childhood and like who, like I feel like a lot of trauma is rooted in your childhood. And so it's helped a lot with like, not just like romantic relationships, but also like relationships with your family, your friends, like with yourself. And so, um, yeah, and I think that's driven me to like really care about, you know, all these like random things like crystals and stuff. Like that started like, literally in February too like I got my first crystal then and um I feel like it's more of like it helps you like with just like meditating and like manifesting like and like prayer like you know that's like huge too and in a non-religious way too like you can you can just pray just for like meditation and like grounding Mm -hmm. yourself and like just kind of talking to yourself too so I think um yeah I think that's been really helping me a lot and like talking to my friends like I feel like friends are super healing and like especially like the good kind of friends and stuff and I feel like I'm like surrounded by such good people (laughs) that it's been like really it's been really pushing like my um healing forward you know and like it's not linear like you know how everyone's like healing's not linear it's really not because I really find myself like in different moods like every week or even every day and like yeah like you know it's I'm still working on it you know like you know I I really try to advocate for like healing and like you know mental health but like you know I'm not perfect you know like I there's days where I will spiral and like days where I will like lash out at my family or like you know or just be like isolated by myself but like I feel like the way that I handle things now is a lot like better than it was before Mm -hmm. you know so hey therapy works man like (laughs) because I remember like Judy stopped by the other day and we talked for like two or three hours but I think like your therapist I think a lot of people perceive therapy or a therapist as someone that can like fix your problems for you and they're not necessarily gonna like immediately fix everything because everything is very like deep and embedded in your like inner child or like your past trauma but they're better equipping you to be able to like handle these situations in the future like what Judy said like if she was able or she went through something that she went through maybe like five years ago now she probably would handle it way differently because she is like more mindful and more like able to control emotions and I think I definitely had that fear like going into therapy because there's a huge stigma especially also like in the Asian community um even with mental health there's not a huge understanding of it quite yet but 
yeah i'm so proud of you for going to therapy yeah no add on that like that's so real like the stigma and i'm like thankful that my parents are like super open about these Mm -hmm. and it took them a while you know took them a long time before you went out and you know sought therapy what was kind of your perception of it because i know like for me you know i think recently i've been more like learning more about what it really is and like what it looks like and you know it's quite different than what you see in maybe like the media and in movies and like tv shows so i'm interested to know like what was your perception before you went and actually sought therapy yeah so i remember like in high school i actually did see a psychologist one time because i was like dealing with a lot of like depression at that time and um it was like one of the worst experiences of my life really like Mm. it was really awful because so i received so my dad was in the military and so like we our insurance was like with the army hospital and i think they deal with a lot of like like the psychologist deals with a lot more important cases like PTSD like um active duty members and things like that so I remember like he literally like didn't even listen to anything I was saying and he was just like do you want meds and I was like you know I was I was like 17 16 and it was like yo like I didn't want that you know and so I remember going into like now like therapy like I was really nervous for that like same kind of treatment. Like I was scared that someone like would just resort to like medicating me or like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I wanted to do like actual work to heal, you know, like I knew what I was in for, you know what I mean? Like, cause going back to like what GB was saying, like it's not, it's not easy. And like therapy, the therapist won't fix your problems. Like you are really doing all the work, you know? And so like, you have to do your part and like, you have to, you have to do your work and it's not easy. And that's how, that's why I think some people doesn't work for them because they're not willing, you know, they're not willing to like actually put in the work to like, Mm -hmm. you know, heal whatever they need to heal. Yeah. Like there's a certain level of vulnerability. Yeah. And, and I know like the first thing, cause, um, like the first thing that my therapist told me like when we're doing our consultation is that like trauma and PTSD is curable and like people often think that like once you're diagnosed with something or once you like experience trauma like that's part of you forever or like you will not heal from that because that's how media portrays it that's how like Mm -hmm. people you know that's the stigmatization around like especially like PTSD like oh you can't get past that or like oh like you know what I mean and I feel like especially with like veterans and stuff like people don't a lot of people don't like seek therapy afterwards which is why maybe they experience a lot of like what they experience you know and so uh, that like really like sparked like oh I really want to try this and like I remember like in high school my parents were really like no like you know mental health is not real like they're like you're you like that's that's like bad you know and so I think it's really crazy because it I wish it didn't have to be like the worst possible thing to happen to you for like parents to listen you know and so I think it didn't like I think it really hit them hard like 
when they heard like my experience with like my ex-boyfriend and stuff like I think they're really like okay you really need this you know like you really need it and now mm-hmm. like like if I even bring up like maybe ending therapy they're like maybe not like you know you should keep going <laughs> yeah. you know so it's like yeah like I think my parents really were able to um yeah be understanding and like they've really helped a lot they've they've hurt a lot and they've helped a lot because I think mm-hmm. it didn't the hurting like had to be there in order for them to learn and like they now know like boundaries and they now know like how to like like you know navigate me and like help mm-hmm. me towards instead of like right. hurting me <laughs> yeah. but yeah yeah because I think mental health or all all the things that you care or th- the things that you do to care for your mental health should be in like a preventative manner like obviously you can't predict every single thing that is going to happen to you but it's like what we talked about judy like it's like for the people to understand and care for you it shouldn't have to hit like rock bottom for them to like believe you or know it's real um so i think that's what therapy kind of does it's like yeah equipping you in a in a preventative manner to be able to prepare yourself better in the future and stuff um but yeah, it definitely is not linear, but I'm glad that like creating boundaries with your parents is something that's like super important and really difficult. Um, and I think that's what a lot of my friends and I say, like we kind of go into therapy thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about this usually has to do with like emotional trauma, like in regards to relationships or things like that. But then a lot of us end up talking about like our family and our childhood. And we don't really realize that some things that happened were, you know, not normal or, you know, okay, because as children, you're taught to kind of just like normalize things and that's all you know, like you're young. So, yeah. No, yeah. I feel like- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Judy, we talked about this beforehand. Um, but and we've mentioned it on other you know episodes as well but in this season especially we've like witnessed a lot of people utilizing their platforms to bring more awareness about sexual assault and abuse and this has been really important because we need to keep harmful people accountable for their actions Um, and I know that this has also really shaped like who you are as a person and like your values when it comes to like how caring you are and how um, passionate you are about women empowerment and safety Um, But yeah, would you be willing to share a bit about that experience and um, yeah, kind of like how you've been um, experiencing that and how it's shaped like your life right now? But yeah. Yeah. Um, Trigger warning. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah, like um, so some of you guys might know (laughs) that like um, I experienced like domestic violence and like sexual assault from my last relationship and um yeah like I feel like it's definitely one of those things where like it it catalyzed a lot of growth in me and like um I feel like I feel like I learned a lot about like what accountability and healing is for me like through that too because like before I, I feel like if it's sad because like sometimes I feel like if I didn't go through it like would I still like see it that way you know so um 
Yeah, like I feel like accountability like definitely should be patient or like not patient. It should be like survivor or like those who experienced it centered, you know? And I feel like often like people like see things as like, oh, that guy should go to jail. I mean, like, yeah, but like, like I feel like people focus more on like what the person causing harm or like the abuser should do or like should get treated they should get all this stuff like they should do this but like it leaves like those who experience the violence like with nothing and I feel like going through a lot of like because I had to deal with the like the justice system a lot and like I feel like when you're navigating that alone with like nothing and like basically you're blind going into it like I it was really challenging because like I didn't know in the beginning especially like I didn't know what I wanted I didn't know what accountability meant to me and I didn't even know like what I experienced you know and so um now looking back like I remember getting super frustrated because it was always like um it felt like they were almost like what's the word like like sympathizing with him like they were portraying him as like oh you know like he he's a poor little thing that needs help you know and like yes that's partly true but like it it doesn't like frame things as like oh this guy needs to take accountability for what he did you know like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that um that notion like you know how like this is not, not the same but like when white men make do crime and then like black men do crime like mm-hmm. how things are perceived differently in media like right. how like the white man is like oh he's mentally ill like poor thing right. and i feel like that's how sometimes like, um like, like my abuser was treated like in court mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like i finally like voiced up and like i spoke to the judge like i spoke to the prosecutor i spoke to his lawyer like that wasn't until that happened that they took me more seriously. And I feel like sometimes, like most of the time that doesn't happen. Like most of the time, like people can't speak up for themselves. Um, I feel like I'm very, like, I'm, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know how, but like, I'm very well versed when I speak, especially to like the judges, like sometimes, like in the beginning, like I was like a horrible mess, but like, I realized like they don't take you seriously when you're emotional and it's like, but we have every right to be, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm kind of everywhere, but yeah, like, so it's like kind of, it's really hard to like um, advocate for yourself. And so I feel like I wouldn't have been able to without therapy, you know, and like without doing all that like work and like all that spiraling, all that hurt, all that trauma. Like, I don't think people realize either that like, at the time I was advocating for myself, it's been over a year since like his first arrest. And mm-hmm. so like, I think a lot of it, since it's such new information to a lot of people, they think that it happened like that moment or that right away, but it's it's been a while, you know? And so I think mm-hmm. if it, it didn't take, you know, one day and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna like speak up. It took me so long and like abuse started like, really early on you know and mm-hmm. all the way since like october or september of 2018 so like that it's been a long time and so mm-hmm. i find i feel like 
that happens most of the time with like survivors and like people who experience this like mm-hmm. it, it won't take like a day it takes years and like sometimes even decades for people to finally like talk about what happened to them um but yeah like I don't know like I I feel like now I genuinely feel like I like I can like speak about it without like feeling you know like triggered or like like I'm able to ground myself a lot and so I feel like I want to use that like like power to like you know like speak for others or like at least amplify voices of others or just be there and like hold space for other people Mm -hmm. Um, I remember in June when I like first came out about my story like I was like extremely overwhelmed because I don't think I prepared myself for like how many people will either like come out about their story about him which was like shit like you know like for me like I thought it was just me in a way it was like crazy but it was like it was weird because I felt like finally like I wasn't alone and I'm not crazy because people see this guy as like charming as great shy like he's he's so great like but he's so smart but he's so cute like and it's like people don't see like yo like you know it's he can be like charming but still be abusive and most of them are like most of them are like you know they they've they're educated, they're, you know, like some, some Ted Bundy type shit, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, I really feel like at that time I wasn't prepared for all of like hearing other people's stories or like having space for other people. And so I think really like now I know, like, you know, when, when I speak about it or like when I want to like talk about it, like, I should be prepared for like those kind of things and like really like ground myself and like know my boundaries within myself because like sometimes I feel like I have like a a complex where I like want to help people like but to an extent where I'm like yo like I really that's like really hurting me right now so Mm -hmm. I think that was super hard like creating those boundaries like with other survivors or other people who experienced like abuse like I had to like set boundaries with that too and like know my limitations and like um yeah just be understanding and I feel like it's been so great because I have people who like are there for me through that you know but yeah so I don't know what I just said there but (laughs) Judy thank you so much for sharing because I I remember like when you first you know made the post in June and um it sucks that you had to like because the court was being fucking slow you know they kept pushing shit back because of the pandemic and like what you said I think it's ridiculous that you like you have to be um like what what is the word not like kind of contained when you're speaking to the judge for you to be taken seriously because of course like you have every right to be hurt and to be it's so painful having to like recall you know your memory like in front of people and in front of him as well um and also facts about the whole like charming thing i think it's ridiculous that people like defend abusers and sympathize with abusers with like the minimal interactions that they've had and it's kind of wild to see how many people like 
question like whoever experienced it like like what evidence do you have or like what like I don't believe it you know so I think it's just you've been through so much and even like sharing on the podcast like we're so thankful for you to be able to talk more about that but uh, I don't know the whole system is just so fucked up like it makes me so mad yeah and it's crazy because like the first like arrest because he's had like two arrests like and multiple police reports Mm. pending and so like um yeah like I feel like it's crazy because it's been like so June June 12th of 2019 I think that was a day where he got arrested and we're still on that case as of today like the, the court hearings in October 12th I think and like for me like it's it's really tough because like I'm like I'm so over it you know <laughs> like I'm just like oh, like I really don't want to like have to deal with it like because I don't have a lawyer I don't have any of that um mm-hmm. it's like the state prosecutor and I feel like most of the time like things don't happen unless I'm speaking and I feel like I am right. the lawyer. I am like the person that's doing everything so mm-hmm. um yeah it's really tricky and like I don't even know like I don't know anything I don't know my rights I don't know I don't know legal stuff yeah. so I just be saying whatever I want to say there Mm -hmm. so yeah like I yeah so if like I don't know I feel like the legal system is awful and the pandemic makes it worse so that's hard yeah it's super it's super hard to navigate that system like alone you know and I'm sure you're doing like research on your own like I feel like a lot of the terms that they spit out at the beginning of a hearing is super confusing you know so and like the last court hearing they were like objection and i was like whoa it's like it's real (laughs) damn no like i recently went to this like know your rights training and it was wild because it was hosted by a lawyer and he was just saying like the police like don't want to fucking help you like they don't they don't have your best interest in mind every single thing that you say will be held against you and even like the police that like made the arrests with you know your ex-partner like they were not you know trained to be well equipped to respond to that situation to like take care of you judy to like make sure you felt safe and stuff like that so the entire system like the police the the law and policy like the policy maker is like it just needs to be abolished (laughs) like it needs to be yeah okay. also i just want to say like fuck you to police like they're mm-hmm. extremely unprofessional they're awful yeah. and i've had like i had the worst experience with them i even mm-hmm. i reported that shit and that's it's still you know they don't care like they don't mm-hmm. accountability like for them it doesn't exist so like really like fuck the whole system I'm, like get them out you know like i yeah. really yeah like the least that it's hard because i'm like so much Mm -hmm. yeah like the least that you the like the very bare minimum that they could do is like remove the harmful police because as of right now it does not look like they're going to divest or disarm you the pd so the least they could do is like respond to the reports that are being made about certain police because they're still there and they're still, you know, on campus and they still have access to the students. And I think that's what accountability is. And like Judy, you kind of mentioned 
about like justice means so much more than having the abuser be jailed or like be charged because there's like a lot of things that they still have the privilege of being part of because people defend them and because people allow them in certain spaces and i think accountability looks like like removing their platform like not allowing them to have access to like vulnerable people or women like don't allow them in like these club spaces or um and just like communities with a lot of women or people that they tend to target i think that's kind of what accountability looks like and i think that's like what our individual role is as like witnesses or like bystanders or as friends like we have to do our part to like stand with whoever is experiencing that and it's just like not your role to like like what do you gain out of sympathizing with the abuser or like following them i don't know it's just like it's like the small things at this point that really make a, a space safer for people i agree and like i think often people think like oh you know like they shouldn't it's not like we're necessarily saying like they should be like excluded from all everything in life you know but like i really feel like people especially when they lack the accountability like first like acknowledging their harm you know like they don't if they are not doing that they're ignoring people who call them out on their shit you know mm -hmm. and like people who don't actually seek change or like show that they've changed you know or they don't like they don't do anything to like you know for the victim or like those who survive like what are they doing for them and to catalyze their healing and like what are you doing for yourself to grow and so i think accountability is really an act of care like people mm -hmm. like often are like you're canceling them you're harmful for being like that but like no like we care about people we care about those who experience the harm and we also are caring about them for wanting them to right. change and wanting them to be better so that they can be part of these clubs they can be part of society they can be like you know and the thing is they are but they just lack the accountability which per like progresses that cycle of harm and abuse mm -hmm control and power and so i think people are always like oh yeah you know you're bad for canceling them like i've had so many like friendships that ended and like people have unfollowed because like they lack accountability for like the harm they caused and like you yeah. know i feel like you know fuck a friendship that like you know people can't do that you know so i feel like there's nothing to lose like with deep platforming or calling out people on their bullshit you know mm -hmm. because if they don't like receive it in like the best way to grow like that shows a lot about their character mm -hmm. yeah uh, that's so true i hate when people mix up cancel culture and deep platforming because i feel like cancel culture is it's not sustainable it doesn't actually lead to any accountability for the most part and i think like it's it's like a temporary fix like most people that are canceled still have their platform and they still you know they still have their followers and they still have like the fame or like whether it's like someone that has like a really really big platform or someone like in our circles but i think uh, i don't know i just don't even think cancel culture can be applied to like like abusers or people that have committed sexual assault because i just think it's so different and i also think it's kind of degrading to whoever is experiencing that like to be minimized like oh it's canceling them like no it's it's literally removing them from spaces because it's like it's not safe and i don't know like as 
like a woman, like I don't want to be in a space knowing if someone harmed someone else, right? Like I don't feel safe for that. So it's crazy because like I like shared all this stuff and I feel like people know like what I went through. And it's crazy that some people like have the audacity to be abusers and be like, I hope you're healing. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm yeah. like I'm like, yo, you literally like <laughs> I don't know. So that's just it's just weird. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like and that's scary because I'm like, I don't know, like who who are abusers or like right. who's you know, so yeah, and I think that I don't I feel like society has like hella normalized or like redefined what harmful behavior looks like because at this point like I think I remember hearing someone said like oh they just groped someone like that's not that bad it's not like it's not like rape or it's not like violence and it's like we shouldn't be normalizing that behavior at all like even like predatory like language or like advances like that should not be acceptable behavior in any way shape or form especially like if it's in like a space like a club where you're supposed to be having fun and like be like be safe at the same time or like in a workspace or in a friend group I've heard that so many times of like people like it's your friend you feel you're supposed to feel safe with them but they're like they're predatory so oops I think my wi-fi went out okay but I don't know it's just really infuriating to see people like justify people's actions like oh like they were drunk or like they were blah 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 so i think like having those values as you fuck sorry i like hella spaz out like i think it's unstable where did i stop but yeah i just think like as an individual it's like your responsibility to like keep yourself accountable and like your friends like your friends need to reflect your values. Yeah, so. and we talked about that. Like you're a reflection of your closest friend. And I feel like that's really real. Mm-hmm. Seriously. If anyone has harmful behavior, I'm just like, <laughs> you're fucking cut. You're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, Judy, I was I wanted to ask you because I know you know you you've gone to therapy and you talk about mindfulness and you know, you gifted Jubilee a crystal. Um, but I want to know, like, kind of what what sort of things do you do for yourself to help you, like, de-stress and, like, deal with these times that are obviously very taxing on your mental health and, like, you know, your daily life, too, because you're balancing this, you know, these tough hours for your job and in the middle of a pandemic while, you know, you were talking about going to these court hearings and stuff like that, like, what do you do on your own time in addition to therapy to maintain your mental health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, for me, I like allow myself to rest. And I think that's such a like small thing to people, but it's huge. Like I feel like especially with our society and stuff, like rest seems like such a negative thing, you know? And like sleeping all day seems like, like so lazy or like whatever but like I feel like you should really give yourself grace and like let yourself let your body rest and your mind rest like and 
yeah i feel like that's like what's really been helping me like if i'm tired i'm gonna sleep i mean unless mm-hmm. i have work but like <laughs> you know like <laughs> but you know what i mean like i let myself rest and like if i have like something due or like you know because i'm taking a class right now too um things like that like i really try to like time manage so i don't get stressed like beforehand mm-hmm. or like i don't pile things on on that once you know um and it's really hard to do because it's easy to say you know like time manage like rest but like i've been really training myself to like think differently like about things because you know i was super like anal and super like oh i have to do things this way like i have to um do everything perfect like i have to be working i have to seem productive but like mm-hmm. um i've been really especially like post-grad life like we have this time some of us have the privilege to have this time to ourselves so like i've been really like when i have the time like i rest also like i feel like um like i do a lot of just like sitting and like not thinking about anything <laughs> like just meditating yeah. and like but like being really like you know like let myself like just relax because you like sometimes you could rest your body but your mind is everywhere mm. so i let myself like really just like think about nothing if i have to and that's really hard for me so like i use like apps like headspace and stuff like mm-hmm. um to really help me like get to that point or i even like listen to like frequencies like sometimes that's really helpful too because there's just like frequency on like spotify that i listen to um but yeah I'll let you guys know what that is (laughs) um and also like I I go on walks a lot like because I don't like see the sun a lot like um in the evenings like if it's a little sunny like I'll go on a walk like I live near the Gilman so I walk on that Mm -hmm. and the bikers always like but I'm like I just walk (laughs) like (laughs) um but yeah like I stay off to the side but still um and yeah, like I think breathing has helped too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I forget to breathe, especially when I'm caught up in the moment. Like literally letting yourself breathe three deep breaths, and like somehow that really helps. And um, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but like sometimes at night I get really like sad or lonely, and like if you hug yourself like this like that helps so much with just like making yourself feel like someone else is hugging you or, or like patting your head like oh it feels so nice like pat your head like this <laughs> it feels so nice so doesn't it like i feel like that's really helpful like just like honestly caressing yourself like like making your body feel safe with touches because mm-hmm. i feel like that's something hard especially like after sexual assault like yeah. I think like trusting like yourself and like that's really been helpful too so um and also something me and my therapist do like when I feel like I'm going through a lot like or like I'm thinking too much or some some kind of trauma is re-arising I imagine like a box and I just literally physically feel like I'm putting that thing in the box closing the lid and saving it for when or like the opening that box later on with my therapist you know to help ground myself and like then I start thinking about like my special place and like we create this special place and um it's like the place where I feel the most like relaxed and the most like grounded and at peace 
mm-hmm. and like mine is at a beach you already know and it's sunny and like you you kind of hit all your five senses in that place too like what are you tasting what are you smelling what are you seeing what are you hearing you know like what do you feel so it's that's like a good technique for me too like if I feel like super like angry or sad like any like intense emotion like I'll I'll try to do that you know and it's hard it's really hard to like teach yourself to do that and sometimes like I have like sometimes I react and then I do it but then like it's better to like you know stop it from furthering like from furthering your spiral like practice it regularly too yeah like practice it like all the time like even if you're not triggered or something like you know it's always good to just like wind down really and I've also watched a lot of TV. Like, you guys should watch Pose. Like, that's such a good show. <laughs> I love Pose. It's so good. And also, Ratchet is really good, too. <laughs> Ooh, is that on Netflix? Yeah. Ooh, I need to check that out. But, oh, those are such good tips. I feel like it's really important to make it, like, habitual and not just, like, when it gets really bad, right? Like, what you said, not only doing it when you're, like, triggered or feeling like a wave of sadness like just doing it just because and I feel you I feel like even I was talking to Clarence about this but like even when I'm like showering it's something that I used to look forward to because it's like you know in the pandemic you kind of look forward to like the more mundane like small activities of joy but I was like I can't even like be at peace when I'm showering because I have so many thoughts and like it's so it feels so loud so I think like going on walks is really nice, like meditating, like making sure your space is somewhere that you feel like clean and safe. Cause I, I don't know, like sometimes my room is a reflection of like my mind. I'm just like, how does it get so messy? Like I'm just sitting at my desk and sleeping, but yeah, that's super important. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all those gems. I feel like <laughs> a lot of this, you know, it's like a lot of these, some of the things that you mentioned are are things that you could easily really just easily do and that you kind of take for granted but i'm happy that and to hear you kind of justify why you do the things you do and like how it helps i think that's really helpful for our listeners and you know for them to try it on try it on their own especially the hugging one i think i like this one yeah <laughs> right especially like i think with the pandemic like we don't spend a lot of time alone oh yeah this too oh my gosh I'm so derived. I'm so like derived of like physical touch from like my friends. Right? So I feel like because we're so deprived, like we should do things like this. But I also want to say like I am not a professional (laughs) and like I am not like the queen of mindfulness. I have a lot of issues. So yeah, like uh, I don't want it to seem like I have the answers or like I'm better than everyone and I'm I'm so mindful. Like nah, I'm great. Like you know, mm-hmm. I I got my shit. Like and I feel like you're helping me and these are just the things that helps me. So, yeah. Right. Like everybody, you know, everybody functions differently. Everyone has their own trauma and their own shit that they're dealing with and. Yeah, I think what Judy said, like healing is not linear and it looks different for everyone. But yeah, disclaimer, we're not professionals. (laughs) Unsolicited advice. (laughs) Like every single episode, Clarence and I are like, listen to us give you like unsolicited advice that we're not really like, you know, we don't have the 
expertise, but we try our best. So. Like, yeah, super unqualified. But yeah, we're about time. So we're going to do our weekly ritual of sharing our songs of the week. Um, these are just songs that we've had on repeat that are, you know, giving us joy and peace during this time. Um, but I can go ahead and start. Um, my song of the week is from Joji's new album, Nectar. And I'm not like a, I used to be a bigger Joji fan, but I kind of was like feeling eh about 88 Rising, but I gave his album a listen and I really like his song, Upgrade. It feels very like a bittersweet song. Like I like to listen to it when I'm like when I shower, honestly, <laughs> like gives me peace. <laughs> um, but I recommend that song. Um, who would like to go next? I can go next. Um, okay. So my song of the week is by a band named Krungbin and the song is called White Gloves. And um, if you look them up on Spotify, like they have millions of millions of uh, plays on their songs. So it might be, you know, you might've heard the, their music, but um, I just like been, I don't know. I've been like feeling this type of, I've been trying to really hard to find the right soundtrack to the pandemic you know what i mean like it's i haven't been listening to music as much as i want to and so when i finally heard their music and like you know especially their new album too like i was like oh like, this is exactly what i wanted to hear you know not too many like lyrics and whatnot like a lot of just like sounds of you know musical instruments and whatnot so yeah that's what i'm listening to and I am an A featuring Summer Walker. I just think it has like nice vibes. <laughs> and, like it's it's nice to listen to like when I'm driving and stuff. I'm frozen. Okay. Oh, there we are. I'm back. Um, I think I heard <laughs> Summer Walker. Wait, is it Amine or Amine? Like, <laughs> am I opposed? Is it Amine? Amine? I don't know what it is because, like, I don't know. Clarence, what is it? <laughs> but wait, Judy, don't worry because, like, on our on our event, like, I'm pretty sure Zach Fox said Amine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Zach Fox definitely. Like anime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember him saying it wrong and I was like, are, are you guys Okay, I have a different song. <laughs> Dude, like last time, Judy, when we had Eden on, like I was saying Chloe X Haley and I said that shit like 10,000 times. And it's Chloe X Halley. Wait. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But it's, I guess it's Amine, but we Amine. might need to double check. Um, we need a fact check on that. <laughs> we might need to fact check. But Judy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, honestly, you brought like so much joy and like honestly peace during this conversation. Um, I know that lots of people listen to this like 
when they're working or on while they're driving and stuff like that so um everyone listening we hope that this really like challenge your perspectives on like what your role is um in like certain situations especially when like addressing harmful people and harmful behavior um we might have like a list of resources too just to follow up um so that y'all can access that but thank you again and we will see you all next week thank you Bye. bye